last night, and it was all song by the time the dark turned to daylight, and it was your face on my mind. The girl from classroom rolls her eyes every time I walk on the Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. This week we have Craig Manning on. He is currently writing over at Chorus FM, which was previously Absolute Punk, which is a website we've discussed quite a few times on this podcast now. But Craig, how are you doing today? I'm very good. How are you? Pretty good. It's not really fall in California, so, (laughs) you know, it's still nice and warm here. It's half fall in Michigan, but, you know, we had like 70 degrees a few days ago, so... We had this last year in November, too. I kind of like it. Yeah, I'm sure 70 degrees definitely counts as warm for you guys. For us, that's like a normal day. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's that's warm, like, definitely warm for November. I mean, in the summer, we can get up to to high 90s, though. So I'm no stranger to the heat either. Yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead and give us a little background information on yourself before we dive into some questions? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I've been, I was a writer over at Absolute Punk until earlier this year when uh, the owner of the site, Jason Tate, decided to change that over to Chorus. Um, I think I'd written there since 2012. And I was actually the senior editor for basically the last year, but sort of the last year of the site. And now I'm over at Chorus. Um, I basically do reviews and interviews for the site along with the occasionally co-hosting an episode of their podcast, Encore. Um, and I sort of, if, if I had like a beat over on that website, it's sort of like the folk, alt-country, country, genres, singer-songwriter stuff. Um, I'm less of the the punk stuff than most of the staff, but I'll occasionally dabble in that. I also write for a few other websites around the web, including Modern Vinyl, and um, I am a singer-songwriter myself. I put out an album earlier this year. It's called A Way to Get Back Home. I think we might discuss that a little bit later on, but uh, yeah, that's basically me in a nutshell. Nice, and when did you really first get into, you know, your own music tastes and everything? I know for me, that was probably somewhere during middle school, you know, the summer transition between middle school and high school, I really started to kind of stray away from, you know, the classic rock and country that my parents listened to, because that was sort of all that was on in either the car or the house or whatnot. It was, it, it was mostly those two you know, radio stations or the few radio stations that played those two types of music. And I know for me, it's like, I still go back to that stuff. I listen to country quite a bit and it's still, you know, one of my favorite, favorite genres, but I kind of broke off and really got into, like you said, the pop punk and, you know, the stuff my parents didn't really listen to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, it's 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 kind of been this long, uh, drawn-out, complicated story. I think it's actually like 20 years this year since I really started like noticing music, right. which is funny because I was like five or six in uh, 96. Um, but, you know, my brother had a, a decent-sized CD collection, and we, from, from a young age, liked pretty much the same stuff, so... As a kid, I would like have him make me cassette tape copies of some of his CDs, um, 
And I think like the big ones were probably like Counting Crows, August and Everything After, uh, The Wallflowers, Bringing Down the Horse. They were my favorite band for a long time. Um, the first Third Eye Blind album, the first Matchbox 20 album, um, Oasis, Morning Glory, and Green Day Do- Dookie, which is <laughs> probably not appropriate for children, but I don't <laughs> know what it was about. Um, and then, like, I-, I liked music all my life going forward from that, but there was sort of, like, a period during, like, the Napster uh, boom, because that's when my brother stopped getting CDs, and when he wasn't making CDs, or wasn't buying CDs, I couldn't, like, copy them. So, uh, at that point, I, I sort of went off into Radio World, which is too bad. You know, I had a Creed phase, which is, is one of the more embarrassing things <laughs> about me. Um, but, like, personally started really getting music on my own, probably around 2003, 2004. So, like you said, uh, middle school age, that was around 7th, 8th grade for me. The first CD I ever bought with my own money was... Uh, Heavier Things by John Mayer. Okay. I then bought the Counting Crows Greatest Hits, which sort of brought me, had me, like, getting back into the stuff I was into as a kid. Right. And then 2004 was the the really big year, because that's like, I don't know exactly why it happened, but the fall of 2004 was just like the Genesis moment, like... Jimmy Eat World Futures was probably the first really big one. Like, that was the first album I really connected to personally. And then that fall, I was also uh, getting into Green Day's American Idiot and uh, The Killer's Hot Fuss, Keen's Hopes and Fears, and Butch Walker's Letters. And those are all still, like, all-time favorite records for me. So they sort of set me on the path and... uh, that I followed until now. Um, but, I, like, you know, over the years, it, it, it always keeps changing. Right. Like, what I listen to or what I'm paying the most attention to. Like, Bruce Springsteen is probably my favorite artist, or at least my favorite artist, other than Butch Walker. Like, those are 1A and 1B. Right. And I didn't really get into him until, like, the end of 2008. So that was almost the end of high school when I was getting into his stuff. And then, like, I've always liked country like influenced like country influenced rock and singer songwriter stuff um but it was only last year when i started really doing like deep dive on that and getting into all those artists and um like interviewing people in that scene so you know it's it's been a an interesting journey to say the least yeah definitely and i know you and i have gone back and forth whether it's in the chorus forums or on twitter or whatnot about some of these you know smaller country artists that haven't hit that mainstream level yet and you're like kind of my go-to source for that stuff because i know (laughs) we've discussed some sites that cover solely country music but i feel like there aren't sites for country music that are kind of what property of zach and absolute punk were for the pop punk scene and you know some of those other smaller genres that weren't mainstream so i feel like you know following the country music thread and chorus has kind of helped me find some of these lesser known artists and start listening to them and one thing i wanted to point out was when you did your review on Maren Morris's album this year that was the first time I had heard of her and it's like now she's 
overperforming at the CMAs, which yeah, recently yeah, aired, huge. and it's yeah, she just crazy. won the uh, she won the New Artist Award, which is it's pretty crazy. She actually put on an EP last fall that I discovered, uh, I think through Rolling Stone Country, and like okay. that came out around around this time last year. So it was around the time that Chris Stapleton had just won all those CMAs. Yeah, and. Like she seemed like like someone who should be really big, but um, you know it, it's an interesting thing with country. Like it's really it does well in sales, and like there are a lot of country radio stations. Yeah. But you're right, there aren't there aren't as many sites covering it, and a lot of like the the more general music publications just don't review that stuff. Right. Like even even some of the bigger country releases, if you go to like search for reviews of them. There aren't always Rolling Stone reviews. There are almost never Pitchfork reviews. Pitchfork has been historically and notoriously bad about covering that genre. Right. And then, like, pretty much all of the, like, the more indie-centric blogs, like Stereo Gum and Consequence of Sound, like, they almost never cover it. So it is harder to, um, it's harder to get into that stuff, which is, I think, why so many people take, like, the country sucks side of the argument basically right and for those people it's like all of the country music they know is the mainstream mainstream stuff or you know what they call the bro country now and right right yeah while that i still find i can enjoy that music no problem because you know it's to me it's almost no different than how catchy pop music is at times and it's basically it's it's the same thing as pop punk for me right it's like I, it, there's not a lot of substance there, but like a lot of it is sort of relatable and it's catchy, and you know I can I can listen to it when I'm driving around in the summer. Yeah, and more often than not, at least to me, the country singers are always vocally much better and much more pleasing to listen to than yes, you know yes, pop I punk bands can be. And I think you know it's okay to not like something, but I've never been one to just you know, completely hate on a music genre because to me, like these country singers have to have such an insane amount of talent to make it in a city like Nashville that oh, yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. It it seems weird to me when I see, you know, music lovers doing that like country sucks. I hate country. It's the only genre I don't listen to and whatnot. Because for me it's like I have genres I don't listen to, like I won't listen to the metalcore music or metal music in general. And it's not that I hate them. It's just I don't find that enjoyable to listen to for myself. Like if people want to listen to that, that's fine. I don't care. I'm not going to be like, oh, that's horrible. You shouldn't listen to that or anything. But I found that country does kind of have that reputation. Yeah. I mean, like growing up, it I I think one of the reasons that it took me so long to, like, for that to be one of my primary genres is, like, there's, like, almost a stigma against liking it. Right. Uh, Especially, like, in in middle school and high school, if you're not, like, from an extremely rural area. And, like, I was, I'm from, uh, like, northern Michigan, so it's not a big city, but it's more of, like, a a resort town area than it is a a rural area where I live. So, um... Like, we had country stations, but I don't really remember anyone who I went to high school with, like, listening to that stuff. So, it's almost like you, you, 
you don't want to identify with that and then like you hear what's on the radio and you understand why people are criticizing it but then you make the false assumption that's all all there is um and then you you basically just don't delve deeper uh i think like chris stapleton coming out and winning all those cmas and getting on the radio and getting a grammy nomination i think he sort of helped uh shine a light on the fact that there are there's like an alternative to like the Luke Bryans and the the Florida Georgia Lines and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I definitely agree with you that a lot of the singers in country are better than not not just the singers in pop punk, but also like the singers in in pop and right. the singers in uh, like indie rock. I I I can't really listen to a lot of the like acclaimed indie rock these days because the singers are just not good. Uh, and then the country singers, they all have like noticeable vocal chops and not only that like that's where a lot of the the best like actual rock bands are yeah because <laughs> like you can't you can't make it in the mainstream playing guitars unless you're like the Foo Fighters or one of a few other bands or unless you're playing country right so like like a few of the the guys who have really broken through like Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson like they have some of the some of the best guitar players in the business and they're like country Americana artists. So that's, that's sort of been interesting to me. And that's because growing up rock was definitely the, the bigger genre for me, but like, that's sort of where if, if a lot of the bands that I liked when I was a kid were making music now, and a lot of them still are like the wallflowers and, um, Counting Crows, like they they would be country bands if they were starting out now. So, um, yeah, I, I I think I think it's a better genre than people give it credit for. And you know, I mean, if people don't want to check it out, like that's that's their prerogative, obviously. Right. But it's definitely been fun for me to sort of dive deep on that and and try to discover new artists and give them some exposure and stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I just want to backtrack a little bit real quick here. How did you end up writing at Absolute Punk? And then obviously you stayed on for when it turned over and became Chorus this year. Was that, you know, the first site you really wrote for? Or did you write for sites before that? And that's sort of how you got in with Absolute Punk? Yeah, I mean, that was that was it wasn't the first site I ever wrote for. It was the first one of any any note i guess um i'd been a member on absolute punks forums since i think february of 2008 so i'd been around for a while and i hadn't like i'd always enjoyed writing in like my writing classes in high school and i'd obviously been a big music fan for a long time but i was actually majoring in music in college like i was majoring in classical voice okay um and then, like, it, it started to become apparent that that wasn't going to work out for me because that field is insane and, like, really stressful. And it just it just basically sucks is, is the simplest way of putting it. So, um, you know, like, I was having a conversation with, with my girlfriend that summer and she was basically like, you should probably have a backup plan. Why don't you, why don't you like, start writing about music? So um, that summer I started my own blog and just started doing reviews and stuff. 
And then that fall, I joined my um, my school newspaper. Okay. And then the following summer, like I'd basically just built up enough writing clips and uh, and stuff that I was getting better, and my reviews were a little more concise. I mean, my reviews have never been concise, so <laughs> that's like uh, relative, just speaking of me. Um, but it was summer 2012. I did a blog about the Gaslight Anthems handwritten, which was their newest release at the time. Right. And I think I just shared it in the thread on that, uh, on Absolute Punk, and one of the staff members saw it and decided to, uh, share it with the other staff members, and then Jason just asked me to come on board, so I started in the late summer 2012, writing for them, uh, did it through my last year of college, and then kept it going after I, uh, graduated and started working just I, I i'm a like a basically a professional freelance writer so i work from home and i write all the time so it wasn't that hard for me to balance the absolute punk stuff with my uh quote-unquote real work um so yeah that, that was sort of how it happened and then i just gradually took on more responsibility i wrote i was one of the more prolific writers over there and then um once Thomas left, I started helping out with some of the bigger features. Like I, uh, I sort of spearheaded the last Absolute Punk uh, album of the year list for the staff, and then I did our um, most anticipated for 2016. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I was one of the first people to hear about Jason's plans to take uh, Absolute Punk offline and go to chorus which was definitely a bittersweet moment i mean i wrote i wrote 200 reviews on the dot over there as well as um you know probably a dozen or so interviews and then all all the end of the year lists and then some other pieces too so uh, i didn't exactly want to lose all that stuff it took me probably probably about a month to back it all up because i put it all on my blog but yeah it's been it's been cool switching over to chorus i think it's a it's a better looking site yeah and i think the content uh there's been less content and less content from me but um the stuff i have written i've been pretty proud of and i think we're sort of going to start hopefully seeing more stuff now that now that the site is has gotten underway and it's sort of in a stable place yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned being one of the first people to know about the change over that was going to happen. And, you know, Jason Tate let me in on the basically beta testing of the chorus forums. But at the time, I had no idea that he was actually shutting Absolute Punk down. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I never knew how he because I was I was I was actually the first um, the first one to post on chorus other than him. Right. And I posted in the Bruce Springsteen thread, which is pretty appropriate, I'd say. But yeah, I wasn't sure how he framed it for other people, because like, I found out at the end of January, and I don't think he... like I think it was the beginning of April that we shut it down. Yeah. So um, like a lot of people filtered over in that time, and I was never quite sure how it was presented. Like... If it was, oh, we're closing down, come come check this out, or if it was like, I'm just, 
testing this. You want to see it? <laughs> yeah, it was more like that because I knew Chorus was, you know, his personal website that he was doing. And then he DM'd me on Twitter a link to the forum and everything. And I actually had a exclusive that was supposed to go up on Absolute Punk, but I was setting it up with Keegan and he got the dates mixed up for when the site was shutting down. So then I didn't get the exclusive with Absolute Punk because he mm. actually scheduled it for the day the site oh, was gosh. shutting down. So I was like scrambling oh, no, to no. fix that. And I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense now than when Jason sent me the, you know, beta invite to the forum because I asked him, I asked him something to the effect of, oh, is this a new forum just for your personal website? And he, you know, never answered. And I was like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, I was one of... You played it cool. Yeah, I was... I wouldn't say I was one of the first people, but, you know, beta testing it, it felt a lot more welcoming than the Absolute Punk forums because I came to those very late, like probably literally last year was when I made my account on Absolute Punk. And it's mm, just okay. there was already so much stuff on there to even try and navigate it. I was just like, okay, this is like way too much for my brain to handle. But now with Chorus, it's like, you know, I have my set threads that I kind of visit very regularly, you know, like the comic book thread. I'll mostly read the country music thread. I don't really participate too much in it. I'll just kind of check things out now and then. And I found, yeah. you know... Most of what I'm going to the forums for isn't even music related. It's for like the film, TV, and comic books and other things that I really enjoy that I normally don't talk about with other people because, you know, most of my friends now are, you know, my fellow music industry students from Drexel. So it's like, yeah, we talk about music all the time. So it's like, <laughs> I, I didn't necessarily need an outlet for that. And obviously, you know, having my own site, I do write a lot more about music and I've started writing about all of these other things, comic books, sports, and what have you. And I just find it's nice to have a place where you can kind of go talk about all of these different things. It's not, you know, strictly music related and I know I've mentioned to you before that when I was on Encore and when Jason was on this podcast it's like between those two episodes him and I had so many different things to talk about we could probably spend like a week <laughs> right, straight yeah. talking to each other and not revisit the same topic and I think you know it's cool getting to find these people that really enjoy the same things as you outside of music there and like I said it felt you know a lot more welcoming and easier to navigate. <laughs> yeah, and and that was really the goal early on cuz um I mean, one of one of Jason's issues with Absolute Punk, I, mean, I don't know how much I'm at liberty to talk about. Um but yeah, one of the issues was that it just become really really hostile over over there. Right. And like I think I mean, for me at least, the issue was was crystallized in the like the end of the year thread, like after we posted the staff list, right? And uh, it was basically a few users in there were just like harassing us for the stuff we picked, and like uh, I think I think one of the complaints was that Kendrick Lamar was the only hip hop artist on there, and therefore. Our list was racist, and we were all racist people. And like, 
just making really uh, like unfounded accusations about our staff members and about like our our process for compiling this list and stuff like that. Right. And it was just really off-putting, uh, especially for me, because I'd, I'd put like like literally hours into, you know, compiling all the ballots for this and um, basically like <laughs> like tracking everyone down to get their lists yeah. and, and, and putting it all together and like putting the photos in and formatting it and stuff like that and then to like have that be the response and then of course there's always the people who are like you forgot blank by by so and so um and you're always going to have that to a certain extent and i think you can have that and have like a positive conversation about it right. but there was just a lot of a lot of judgments being thrown around um and you know some of those users have come over to the new site and i've seen some of those same things happen, which is a bummer. But for the most part, I think it has been, like, there have been fewer very hostile conversations, fewer conversations where uh, where people get ganged up on, or um, there used to be this, this click on the, on the Absolute Punk forums that would just bully people and basically derail threads, and uh, I think there's less of that, which is, which is good. I think there's still room for improvement. Um, but yeah, I think it's been a positive change and I've, I've been glad to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. And aside from Chorus Now and Modern Vinyl, what are some of the other places you're doing freelance writing for? Is your freelance writing strictly music writing or do you branch out to other things? Actually, uh, uh, not, not very much of it is music writing. Uh, Modern Vinyl and Absolute Punk are most of the music writing I do. And then I write for this company that sort of has clients globally, and I do web content for them. Okay. So I do blogs, I do um, website copy, I do like outreach articles for them to post on other sites. A lot of it's SEO stuff or um, content marketing. Okay. So uh, on, on any given day, I will be writing about completely different things, which uh, is interesting, and then like at the end of the day I'll usually switch over to um like doing my music stuff that's sort of the the passion project so um yeah it's it's varied um I'm also co-writing a novel at the moment with my wife which has been fun um so yeah a lot of writing a lot of words but I've done I've done it for so long now that it's almost like second nature I can just look at like a topic and basically think of an angle for how I want to approach it and go from there. And like a lot of it's research based too, cause I'm writing about stuff. I don't, I'm not necessarily an expert in, but you know, I think that sort of helps my music writing even cause just getting like the journalistic aspect of things beyond just like my opinion. Definitely. And you know, like I mentioned, I've started writing about all of these different things and I feel like it's great because I can, you know, get thoughts out on all of these different things that I really enjoy. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, having four or five different sites that I'm trying to write at every single week, and that's including my own, which obviously is a lot easier because I'm doing that one on a daily basis. But sometimes I feel like 
my brain just gets overloaded and I'm like, okay, <laughs> what do I actually want to talk about for these things? And I feel like I right, right, haven't yeah. gotten to that place yet where I can sort of just sit down, focus on, you know, just Lakers and then sit down and focus on just writing this album review. I feel like, you know, I need to definitely get better at a lot of different aspects, especially when you're juggling, you know, all these various topics that you want to talk about. And yeah, how did you sort of end up separating your, you know, your real work from the music and everything else that you do? I mean, it's sort of just like uh, by nature of deadlines and stuff ends up naturally separated. Right. Like, because uh, my other work, I usually have daily deadlines where I'm, I have to have a certain number of assignments done by five o'clock. Um, and usually I have like between 5,000 5, and 6,000 words worth of articles I'm writing. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. Um to get done by five. Right. So that's that's pretty much like my work day. Like I very rarely will um, be writing an album review in that time. Like sometimes I'll like conduct an interview in that time and record it and then I'll have to transcribe it later. Um, but usually like my music writing is stuff I do in the evenings or stuff I do um, on the weekends. Um, occasionally I'll have like an hour in in an afternoon somewhere where I can uh, can do that, but usually if I have that kind of free time, um, like I'll, I'll I'll focus that toward actual songwriting because, <clears throat> like, when when you live in a house with other people, it's sort of harder to to get time to you know pull out a guitar and sit down with a notebook and write lyrics and and melodies and stuff. So uh, if I have free time during my actual work day, I'll usually do that and then. Um, my wife and I are both writers. Like she, she's she works in publishing and um, is like always working on some sort of novel idea. So uh, we both have writing to do most evenings, and that's usually when I fit in, uh, like an album review if I want to do that, or <clears throat> transcribing an interview, or doing a like a more free form article. Right. And how did this? freelance opportunity come about with the SEO and content marketing writing and everything? Was that just something you kind of stumbled upon or was it something offered to you? Because personally, as someone who's been looking for basically any sort of job I can get right now, <laughs> if I could find something that would just, you know, let me work remotely from home and get paid to write, that would be perfect for me. But, you know, I, all of the writing I'm doing right now is completely for free. And, you know, I feel like I want to get to that point where I can start, you know, somewhat consistently writing for a website or two that will pay. Right. Yeah. Um, well, this was, um, this was shortly after I graduated. Um, uh, my, my wife and I both went to, both went to college in Michigan. Uh, she went to U of M. I went to Western Michigan university and she is a year older than me. So, um, she graduated in 2012, and she got a job in publishing in Naperville, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. So when I graduated, it was pretty much like, you know, I'm going to move down there because we didn't want to do the long-distance thing anymore. Right. So I, I moved in with her, and um, I was looking for a job. This was, But this was 2013. 
Uh, job market still wasn't great, and Chicago area is obviously very competitive uh, for anything, I'm sure, but like, you know, lots of recently graduated people looking for writing jobs. Um, so, like, basically, while just looking for a full-time thing, I went on, like, there are a few freelance writing boards, like, like they blog about opportunities and uh, give you links to them. I'll ha I, I can probably find these and send you um, some of the job boards I looked at. But it was basically, like, there would be posts on, like, writing job boards. There would be posts on uh, even sometimes Craigslist, Craigslist about, um, like, freelance opportunities. So in addition to sending out resumes for full-time jobs in the Chicago area, I um, I was sending out, like, resumes for these freelance opportunities. And basically what happened is that I got freelance stuff before I got anything else. And then, um, you know, slowly it just became, like, enough that I was making a living on it. And... Um, Nothing, nothing really attractive ever came up in the Chicago area, and it's actually right. good that it did, didn't, because my wife ended up getting a a job in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, in like late 2014, right after we got married. Okay. So, like, even if I had gotten a job in Chicago, I would have either had to leave it after a year, or she would have had to stay at her job in the Chicago area. So. Um, it's been nice to be, you know, be able to go wherever and to work from wherever. Um, and I've held on to, I've worked with this company ever since then. I've had, like, my other stuff has come and gone more, I guess. Right. And a lot of the stuff you'll find is more, like, one-off. Like, this opportunity was good because they basically were finding those one-off assignments for me and then... Like, they have a few different writers that they assign stuff to. But I might be one of a, one of the few who does that full-time, so I usually get, like, first first pick of the articles they assign me. So I get, like, a lot of the higher-paying stuff they get. And, um, yeah, so that's that's been good for me. And then supplementing that with freelance stuff and then, um, you know, also supplementing with the unfortunately for free but still like good for the soul music writing has has sort of been like how i how i've stayed in touch with music while also like being able to write for a living yeah and i know a lot of writers will say that when they go look at some of their first pieces that they wrote and everything they think about how terrible they were <laughs> so you know, on that kind of note, what are some of your favorite pieces you've written? Yeah, yeah, that's actually an interesting question. Um, yeah, I majored in, the major at my college was called Writing and Rhetoric Studies, or Rhetoric and Writing Studies. Um, so I, I can still look back to basically anything post, like, around 2012 and, and see see some value in that writing. Right. Uh, before that, the stuff wasn't that good. Like, um, but yeah, for the most part, I'd say the more recent stuff is is my favorite stuff. And you know, that could be that you know I'm always growing as a writer, and I just feel like I'm improving, or because like I'm closer to those opinions, so I feel like they uh, 
they reflect where I am more. Um, two of the ones I've done this year that I've really been proud of are the reviews for Butch Walker's Stay Gold, which is my favorite album of the year, and Green Day's Revolution Radio, which I felt I just had a lot to say about. Uh, not just about them as a band, but also about what they were saying politically and um, where they were going with that. So uh, those two those two I'm really proud of. Uh, for the most part, my favorites tend to be like the the retrospective pieces I do. Right. Like, because um, we've sort of we've sort of gotten around to the point where a lot of the albums that I was listening to, like when I was getting into music, like we talked about earlier, they're all turning ten. Yeah. They've all turned ten in the past few years. So, like in the past few years alone, I've been able to do like these retro pieces on a lot of my favorite albums like Born to Run turned 40 I wrote about that that might actually be my favorite thing that I've written uh for Absolute Punk or Chorus and then uh Futures by Jimmy Eat World and Everything in Transit by Jack's Mannequin uh also turned 10 in 2004 and 2005 respectively and I'm very proud of all those pieces cuz like the writing that I always have liked to do about music has been like blending the the personal and the um the personal and the universal I guess right so to like write like my own my own experience with an album but also try to make it so that it aligns with what other people are feeling and thinking and so they can relate to it and like the retrospective pieces are really a good opportunity to do that because you know if someone's reading this they've probably heard the album you're talking about so you don't really need to get into like the the guitar sounds like this or he is singing these lyrics. Uh you can more like go back in time and sort of like reflect on um like what this album has meant to me and what what the album has meant to the scene and what the album has meant to other fans. Right. So um those are fun opportunities cuz like obviously when you are normally writing a review or anything about an album you're you're going off like tops a, a couple weeks of having had a record so it's always fun when you can go back and write about something that you have like 10 years of 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 like hot takes about <laughs> and then beyond beyond those uh probably just like the interview opportunities I've had and those are like we do Q and A interviews usually right. over at Chorus, so I'm not like writing any any flowery language about them, but just like the experience of getting to interview guys like like Butch Walker and Jason Isbell and Noah Gunderson, uh, Matt Nathanson, Brian Fallon, those have been really good experiences and um, things that you know have made me a better listener. I think things that have made me a better um, music writer, and definitely like I've taken their like their tips and stuff and apply them to my own songwriting. So like those those are definitely highlights and those are like the things that I'll tell people about who like ask about what I do because um you know not everyone gets to talk to their favorite artists for like an hour or whatever and, right. and pick their brains about like their creative process. Yeah, and that sort of leads me into the next thing I wanted to touch on your songwriting yourself. I know you released something not too long ago. So, you know, you mentioned living in a house with other people. It gets hard sometimes to 
make time to sit down with your guitar and write lyrics and yeah, yeah, finish yeah. up songs. So how do you find yourself fitting that in and how often would you say you're getting releases out? Are you just trying to do something once a year or just whenever you can, really? Yeah, well, uh, what I put out earlier this year, um, that was my first release of any any kind. Okay. Like, um, I've been like a music fan for a very long time and I've been a musician for a very long time, but I'd never really written songs up until a few years ago. Like I would sit down and try to write something and like I think it's it's a curse sometimes of someone who listens to music so much that when you go to write your own stuff you're just like recycling ideas that you like from other people. So it took me a little while to figure figure out like what I wanted to say in, in my music and um it was it wasn't until my grandpa passed away actually that that I that I felt I could really do that. Like when he the day he died I was gonna like write something about him just like um simple like blog uh, basically and I like sat down I opened Microsoft Word and I couldn't it like I couldn't do it right um which like was was pretty rare for me because you know at that point I'd already been doing the freelance stuff for a while and I'd been writing about music for a while and a lot of those pieces had been uh, at least on the music side, that had been already pretty personal. But it was just like, it it felt too trivial almost. So um, I sat down with my guitar, and then it just it just came, basically. Um, and then after that, it, it was easier in, in, a, in an odd way that I think I still have to thank him for. Uh, and I wrote... Most a lot of a lot of that first album about him and about just family and stuff like that because that's what I was thinking about a lot, and you know I released that and <laughs> recording it was actually the hard thing because recording like I did it all myself and it's still pretty bare bones. Like in the future, when I go back to record future songs, I'll want to. Um, like flesh them out a bit more, but it was my first time doing it, and I didn't have much experience with it. And uh, my wife was basically out of town for uh, a long weekend for a conference, and I just said, "Okay, I'm gonna, I've got these songs, and I'm gonna record all of them in this one weekend, and I have to get it done because I don't know when I'm gonna have another opportunity to do this. So if I'm gonna record, I want like a long." pretty long stretch of time not just like a like a free half hour in the afternoon when I'm done with the rest of my work like that's not enough really right so I basically like I, I bought some beer I uh I set up like a, a a faux studio in in my living room and I I sat down I'm like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna record this I'm gonna I'm gonna get it done and I did pretty much get it I think I got all of them done that weekend um so that was a, a really good experience for me um, in releasing it, even though, you know, it's it's tough to get much traction <laughs> releasing with uh, very little production and very little budget and pretty much no, like, prior music. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, m since then, you know, I've been writing more, definitely. I think I've, I've learned to balance it in my day-to-day -day life better. Um, and I've learned to 
like I've started just expanding what I'm writing about. Like the first album was almost entirely about my life and uh, what was going on for me. And like the stuff I've been writing since has more been like like stories, uh, narratives about characters, or like things that are from my perspective but aren't things I've necessarily experienced. Right. And that actually like goes back to something Jason Isbell said to me, which was like, because I asked him what his favorite thing about songwriting was. And he said it was that, like, you know, when you're when you're writing an article or something, uh, or journalism, you have to be completely like true to the facts. Or if you're writing an autobiography, or something like that, like it has to be complete fidelity to the truth. And then if you're writing like a novel, um, you feel like a, a push to like create the world and make it make it completely fiction. But he said his favorite thing about songwriting is that you can sort of blend those two worlds and you can, like, have elements of things that have happened to you and then you can pull in, like, these these bits of fiction to, like, liven up the story or make it more relatable for other people or uh, anything like that. So I've, I've definitely taken that to heart and I think that's made it made it easier for me to write songs. It's made it, like... So I'm not so much waiting for inspiration, but I can like sit down with an idea or a lyric in my head and sort of build around that. So, you know, songwriting is definitely a very, a very freeing thing for me at this point in time. Still, like, um, it's it's nice for me to sit down, even if it is just for an hour, and and see where, where like the guitar will take me, essentially. Um, so that actually is sort of come to occupy the place that like writing album reviews used to because um, I haven't done as many reviews lately sort of you know wondering whether people want to read reviews even in this day and age and uh, and also just you know not having quite as much time to do it um, so you know I've sort of turned to songwriting to like express the thoughts that I would would go to in album reviews a lot of the times and like uh, tell those personal stories and then explore my own characters or you know see how I can like twist something I've heard recently and make it my own. So um, yeah, I I think like just having different types of writing has has sort of rejuvenated my interest not just in in writing in general but also all sorts of different music. Definitely and. You know, we obviously still have almost two months left in the year as we're recording this on November 3rd, but I wanted to close this out with some of the releases you've really enjoyed so far this year because I know it's about that time where people really start thinking about their end of the year lists. Yeah, yeah, I've been, uh, I always will do a total, a complete top 30 and I'll do like blurbs for everything. So I, I kind of need to start that early or, or I can't get it done. Right. So I've started, I've started narrowing it down. Like, um, I'm not going to make any, like, pretty much nothing comes out in December. Right. Like, if you're releasing in December, um, it, it's either a Christmas album or it's like a, a B-Sides collection or a, a reissue for Christmas or something, like... Occasionally you'll get a big holiday release, but that'll usually come out closer to Thanksgiving to hit Black Friday. Right, or Beyonce surprises everyone with an album mid-December. Yeah, yeah. Or, it's a, <laughs> or it's a surprise album. 
So, like, usually I feel pretty comfortable, like, having my list almost locked in by the end of November. Right. Because then I can, like, sit down and put it in order and uh, write write about everything. And then also, like, figure out what I'm going to do for honorable mentions and... It, it's a it's quite the process, but you know this year this year is gonna be tough because there have probably been like eight to ten albums that I really loved, and then there have been like fifty or sixty that I've liked a lot so um you know getting narrowing those down like to to the other twenty that get to be on the list is is not gonna be easy but you know, I know I know what my album of the year is. It's Butch Walker's Stay Gold. Um, and he's been one of my favorite artists since 2004 when he released Letters. Um, and it's, it's just sort of grown with me, I guess. Like, I, uh, there's always something in his albums that I relate to personally. And they, they just seem to catch me at the perfect time. This one is, is basically him doing going the closest he's ever gone to emulating Bruce Springsteen, so it's pretty much right up my alley. And it was like a perfect summer album, and I listened to it all the time on on runs and on drives, and it just it transported me, and it, it had this uh, optimism to it that I, I felt was very important in this year of the endless election bullshit <laughs> and all, all, all associated bad things. So that's going to be at the top of my list. I have no doubt about that. Um, he also topped my list last year with his album Afraid of Ghosts, which was pretty much the polar opposite. It was a stark acoustic record about um, him losing his dad. Um, and then my number two is going to be Jimmy Eat World Integrity Blues, which uh, Jason and I talked about that a lot on the Encore podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah. So I won't delve too much back into that but it, it basically it's it's kind of the closest they've gone to like revisiting futures which is always going to be my favorite album of theirs and so it's hit me in a similar place and you know has has really reminded me that they're one of my favorite bands and then beyond those two um like they're definitely one and two and then the order of of the next few i'm not really sure of like i really like uh, the new Dawes album, We're All Gonna Die. really like Parker Millsap's album. That was my mid-year number one. It's called The Very Last Day. These are extremely grim album titles, by the <laughs> way. Uh, Brian Fallon's Painkillers, big fan of that one. Um, Laurie McKenna's The Bird and the Rifle. And uh, Sturgill Simpson's The Sailor's Guide to Earth. Like That'll probably be my, uh, like, sort of the, the near the top of my top ten. And then I think the top ten's probably rounded out by um, Yellow Card's new album, the Marin Morris record that you mentioned earlier, and probably Green Day, probably Green Day at ten. Yeah, I haven't even started to think about my list, but <laughs> I've been keeping a list of the albums and EPs that I've listened to, and I've sort of put in bold the ones I enjoyed but now you know I just opened my list and I'm looking at the ones I had bolded for you know like the first half of the year and I was like I haven't even listened to any of these recently so, I know I know yeah I make I made because uh, I keep track of my list in the thread over at chorus and I, I think I'm up to like I'm close I'm getting close to 250 so there are, there are a lot of albums on there yeah and I I don't bold them but like I sort of go 
through like there's a like two pluses is an album I really right, liked. A yeah. plus is an album I liked. Like a an asterisk is something I didn't really care for, and a minus is something I didn't like. So I, like I was going through, and a lot of the stuff I gave like two pluses to, I'm just like, mm, don't really, that didn't really stick around. And then like a lot of the, like the the albums I gave one plus to are uh, things that have grown on me and have stayed in my rotation more. So yeah. I, that that list actually is usually oddly unhelpful <laughs> for me in compiling my list. Like I I just use iTunes usually um, to see what I've been listening to the most, and like I have everything in a in a in like a big playlist where I can just like view all the artwork together, right? Which uh, sort of helps me uh, remember the stuff I like most. Yeah, and when I migrated my list over to the chorus forum you mentioned, I was like, oh, great, now I have to go reformat everything because, you know, you guys <laughs> do the pluses and everything. And, you know, looking at my list now, too, I haven't kept up with it since Mooseblood released Blush. <laughs> so that's probably what. Oh, that was a while yeah, ago. <laughs> Mid-early mid, September August, or I August. I know because I have yeah. Bayside's Vacancy on there and Frank oceans endless so i know there's some september stuff on there i think okay yeah but yeah i have a lot of updating to do so now i know what i'm going to be doing after we're done here (laughs) yeah i like i feel like i i do it every few weeks but um like tracking the stuff that i that i listen to in spotify isn't isn't easy because they don't really have a good way for you to like go back and view them right um, like RDO, which is what I used until they, they shut it down. Same. Um, RDO had a great, and it went back like months. Yeah. They had a great listening history thing. So I could always use that to like recreate, uh, a list if I hadn't updated in a while. So I'm sure my list is like missing a few things. Yeah. And I use Apple music and they have a recently played section too. So I'm sure if I go back to that, it'll be there. And, you know, I have another note from, it's probably for all of the October releases, I made an upcoming releases note and I used like check boxes to check off what I had listened to. So it's like, I kind of have that. I just didn't put it in this one. So it's like, I need to get going here. And there's still so many releases from this year that I just never ended up getting around to. So I think, you know, I've been trying really hard to cut back on the ridiculous amount of podcasts I've list- I've been listening to but it's not <laughs> working so well for me right now and you know I've I've yeah, like been getting excited I don't do a lot of podcasts so. yeah see I need to cut back on that so I can actually you know work on this end of the year list thing which I should probably start <laughs> you know today apparently yeah I mean like I just uh, I just always have it sort of going and like I also use like I have that 2016 music list on my iTunes, but I also have now I have a best of 2016, and I just sort of move the stuff that I'm I've either really enjoyed it at points in the year and then stopped listening to, or stuff I know is going to make it, or stuff I'm listening to a lot right now. Right. Uh, I move all of that over, and then it sort of helps me to like see like oh I need to listen to that album more to see if I want to include it on this list. Yeah. Which. I mean, we're all such huge nerds. <laughs> True. <laughs> but like, who does this? <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually met anyone like in my in my real life who like 
compiles things to such an obsessive degree. Right. But, you know, it's always fun to look back at these, and I think it helps me um, to sort of, you know, remember the albums from any given year that I want to listen to in the future. Because there are a lot of things that, like, on that, on my list uh, of albums I've listened to, you know, there are like 250 albums there. Yeah. But, you know, how many of those have I listened to once and just, like, either struggled to get through or, like, you get to, get to the end you're just like, oh, okay, whatever. Right. Like, I mean, there, there are probably at least, there have to be at least 50 that I have only listened to once. Right. Probably more. Yeah, and, you know, just listening to you give us your top 10, I was like, all right, got to listen to that, got to listen to that, definitely did not listen to that. So, you know, it's kind of this never which ones have you thing. Which ones have you not heard? I... I think I listened to Butch Walker, but I think I also need to listen to it again because he's a person I, I've i heard a lot about, but I never really got into. I have a lot of bands that have had releases and artists that have had releases this year that I've just been really late to the party on. And mm, okay. I think, you know, I probably just need to write a whole article on being late to the party on certain artists and everything because it happens <laughs> to me a lot and I heard a lot about the Jason Isbell album and Sturgill Simpson and I haven't listened to those yet it's I'm really behind on a lot of the more country stuff okay just because you know when I'm getting press releases all day and interview opportunities it's not for country artists so that stuff sort mm -hmm. of takes a back seat as far as listening to full albums goes you know if I'm in the car and the radio's on chances are I'll put it on a country station and just kind of leave it there so I'll hear singles for you know the more mainstream stuff and I'm like okay you know like Kenny Chesney just released an album this week or last week oh, yeah, yeah. and it's like you know i feel like for country it's more of a i'll get to it when i get to it sort of thing and it's definitely shown in my list here because as far as country goes let's see i listened to that Marin morris album i really liked brandy clark's album big day in a small town and yeah that'll be somewhere on my list i really like that one too. yeah and other than those two i did check out that logan brill album that i saw I don't know if it was you posting about it or someone else posting about it, but someone told me about it and there was a free download. So I took that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I posted that. That was me. Yes. So, you yeah, know. If you like, if you like that Brandy Clark album, you should listen to uh, the Lori McKenna album I mentioned. Okay. Because they actually, they co-wrote um, Three Kids, No Husband. Okay. Together. Um, and Lori McKenna actually put that on her last album. Um, so if you like that kind of stuff, she she does that kind of uh, heartbreaking, uh, like domestic storytelling very well. Yeah, and the only really mainstream album I gave a listen to, other than you know how mainstream Marin Morris has quickly become, but I listened to Jake Owen's album and I only listened to it once because I was like, all right, this is kind of just fine. And I, I actually kind of like that record. You know, I've I uh, I thought it was just fine at first too. Um, and a lot of it is just fine, right. but there's there's this one song where uh, where Chris Stapleton does it. He's doing the backing vocals, but it's basically he's doing the lead vocals. Okay. And uh, that song's really that song's really fun. Uh, and there are a few others on there that 
I like more than I expected to because I've never enjoyed his stuff before. Right. Um, yeah. So I have a lot of catching up to do, and you know, I probably wouldn't have opened this note to realize that if we hadn't recorded. So thank you for that. <laughs> but I think that <laughs> I think that wraps up everything I have for you today. So thank you so much for coming yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Awesome. And to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.